Oh, yes. It is that time of year, so it is that podcast episode. Welcome back. This is Zach Cordell, the Latter-day Saint nutritionist. This podcast was recorded in a new environment, so there's a little bit of popping in here. I apologize. All right, so this episode, we're going to talk about New Year's resolutions, short-term goals with long-term success, because that's really what we're looking for. You don't want that goal that's going to help you out right now, but then be destroyed in a couple of months because you can't maintain it. So we'll get right to it. This is Zach Cordell, registered dietitian and host for the Latter-day Saint Nutritionist, where food, faith, and science meet. This podcast is not intended to be individualized medical advice. As always, please consult with a medical professional in your area to make sure that your medical history is taken into account to make sure that you get the best care possible. Now, this holiday season, you're empowered because you're like, yes, this is my New Year's resolution. This is the time for me to get right with my life, to get everything ready. But you're also disgusted with yourself because you're so so angry that you made those poor choices and you think, oh my gosh, I can't believe I ate that much stuff over Halloween and Thanksgiving and Box Day and Christmas and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and any other holiday that you wanted to choose to celebrate. And so it's time to start those New Year resolutions and you got to have that New Year, New You. But the reality is, is that you're still you. And so this new year is going to have to be focused on who you are. And so I like to think of it in terms of you are the now you. So who are you going to be now rather than who are you going to create this robot of? I was talking to a young man yesterday at church and he was mentioning how he's thinking about going on a mission. And he's like, I'm just not the person that's very outgoing. So we talked a little bit and I was like, you know what? You're not going to be one of those robot missionaries. And he didn't know what I was talking about. So I explained a little bit where it's the missionary that comes in and they're just kind of like, hello, I'm a missionary from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I would like to share a message with you about the gospel. Like, oh, cool. What's your name? Missionary from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'd like to share a message with you about the gospel. And, And it's always refreshing to have a missionary that's not going to be that person that you can have a real conversation with, but it is also understanding of their role representative of the Savior. A lot of times, whenever we make changes in our own lives, we make these changes with the hope that we are going to become some new person. And the only way to become a new person is to use the skills that we have already developed to become who it is we would like to be. Now, I hope that makes sense because in terms of making changes in the history of New Year's resolutions, it's always New Year, New You. And in a way, that's trying to get rid of the old you. But there's a lot of good to the old you that you can use to help you to move forward. So in this episode, I want to talk about how diets work, why they work and why they don't, and what you should do in terms of Um, setting these New Year's goals. And then I also want to talk about the growth mindset and the fixed mindset.
So, how do diets work? The reality is, is that all diets are going to work in one way or another through calorie restriction. And all that means is that you're eating less calories than you need. Okay? So recently I was talking to my mom about this and she asked what the keto diet was because she heard it going around and I explained it to her. And as as I explained it to her, she said, well, how is this different than Atkins? And I kind of just smiled and, and said, exactly. So most diets are new faces that we put on old bodies. It's the same thing, but if a different vocabulary, a different vernacular. Most diets will say, don't eat a lot of meat, eat more plants, eat more non-starchy vegetables like broccoli, asparagus, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, kale, any number of those vegetables that aren't going to be like sweet potatoes, potatoes, peas, corn, things like that, Um, and then to have smaller portions. But then they start to become a little bit nitpicky about certain things. This can be that they are avoiding legumes, they're limiting nightshades, or they're avoiding food or they have a high acidity to them. And so they're all based around less calories and more plants. They, they just dress it up a different way. That'll work in the short term. But in the long run, it's not really going to play out very well. Because the idea with calorie restriction is that you're going to be eating a lot less calories. And most of these fad diets make it so that you don't eat a lot. And because you're not eating a lot, when you do eat, you might be more likely to overeat. So the classic example of this would be cheat days. Somebody will go throughout the week and they're thinking, okay, well, I'm not going to eat this and I don't eat that and no pizza during the week and no cake during the week and no donuts during the week. But on the weekend, when I have my cheat day, I'm going to eat whatever it is that I want and however much I want of it. And then cheat day turns into cheat weekend, and then it turns into cheat week, and then it turns into cheat month, and then you forgot what you were cheating on. So the reality is is that you should still consume foods, and if you're doing calorie restriction, it should be 250 to 500 calories less than what you need. So if you need 2,500 or 2,500 calories a day, then you should consume 2,250 or 2,000 because that way your body's still going to be getting enough calories to help you to continue to do all the normal body processes that need to occur, you know, like your heart beating, your muscles contracting, your brain thinking for you, like all of that stuff still needs to happen. And in order for that to happen, you got to have calories. So making sure that you don't go so far below that you're going to kick back and overconsume is an important thing to recognize. And it's going to be more sustainable if you aren't starving yourself. A lot of times people that have anorexia, well, they'll go through uh, bulimic periods. And what I mean by that is that they will be anorexic. They are not eating enough calories. And this is more of a mental state that they're in. There's a psychological side to it. And then once they do eat, they start overconsuming and they consume so many calories that it's beyond what they would need in a day. And then they find a way to purge of those calories, whether it's going to be exercise, laxatives, making themselves throw up. There are different ways that they'll go about getting rid of those calories that they consumed. But A lot of the people want to keep the anorexia, but want to get rid of the bulimia. They want to keep the food restriction, but they don't want to have those binge periods. 
to make that more applicable to the general population. It'll be like the person that doesn't eat much for breakfast. Let's say they have like a yogurt and then for snack, they'll have carrots and hummus. And then for lunch, they'll have like a lean cuisine that's 400 calories. And then they go to the gym and work out for two hours and then they come home. And when they come home, they just eat everything in the house. And they're like, I'm doing so good during the day, but it's when I get home, that's the real problem. Now, the reason this is an issue is because during the day, they're not getting enough calories. So when they get home and there's food available, they're going to overconsume. So they want to keep the, the low calorie consumption during the day, but they don't want to binge at night. They just want to keep eating less food. But the people that I work with in instances like this, they need to make sure that they're getting enough calories during the day so that when they get home, they can still make a healthy decision and not just overconsume on everything that's going on. Now, there's also this thing called the National Weight Control Registry. And the National Weight Control Registry is put together for people that have lost weight and have maintained that weight loss. So this isn't just people that have lost like mm, five pounds and they kept that weight off. They've lost substantial weight and they have maintained that weight loss for a substantial amount of time. Now, what they do is they have researchers that will look at what these, these individuals are doing, whether it's exercise, whether it's diet, so on and so forth. And the big thing that they are not doing is they're not dieting. Because New Year's resolutions have somewhat become a joke in terms of, oh, my New Year's resolution this year is that I'm never going to eat chocolate cake. We'll see if I can make it to thanks or see if I can make it to Valentine's Day. And maybe you can and maybe you can't. But the joke is that you're probably not going to. Most New Year's resolutions last a couple of weeks. And then we recognize that we weren't really committed to it, so we just let it go by its wayside. But this weight control registry is for people that have, are those who have changed their mindsets and have had the appropriate motivation to help them to continue to have those healthy behaviors. Most people, whenever they start changing their lifestyles, whenever they start having healthier behaviors, they'll say that their motivation is to be healthy. But a lot of times you need to go a little bit deeper than that to figure out why it is that you're doing what you're doing. So with this weight control registry, they found that exercise is a crucial part of it. This doesn't mean that they're going to the gym or they're going to CrossFit or they're flipping tires or throwing ropes or that there's um, competitive swimming all the time. They compete in the senior games. They're just people that are going to go and they're exercising and they're moving throughout their, their days. Okay, I think a lot of people, when they hear exercise, they think, well, that means I have to go get running shoes, and I hate running. If you hate running, don't make your New Year's resolution to start running. There are other exercises that you can choose. So they're doing that. They're also consuming five fruits and vegetables a day. And while some people think that that's crazy, the reality is, is that an apple counts as one, a banana counts as another. If you have a salad, that counts as two, and if you put a three-fourths of a cup of tomatoes on there, the cherry tomatoes, then right there you have your five fruits and vegetables for the day. So it's nothing crazy or outlandish to do that. But if you're doing that on a consistent basis, it's really going to pay off in the long run. Now, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to discuss what happens in terms of things that are going to influence us in our New Year's resolutions and what we can learn from the brother of Jared 
in terms of making those changes. Now, if you find this podcast helpful and educational, then be sure to check out my new book, The Creation Code. It's on Amazon. It's a perfect complement to our conversation today about setting lasting goals and how we can view changes that we are making. And I'll make sure that we add that link in the show notes. And I would love to hear your reviews on on what you're able to draw from the book and the changes that you're able to create in your own life. So let's go ahead and get back to these New Year's resolutions. Now, with the brother of Jared, actually, before we even get into the brother of Jared, there's a a model that we use as professionals. It's called socio-ecological model. And the idea behind the socio-ecological model is finding out what influences us where. And a big part of this podcast is based on that model. So we are influenced by our own selves and our own choices, our own desires, our own personal beliefs. We're also influenced by our family. And then we're influenced by our work community and our community that's around us um, in a physical location. Then beyond that, We have like public policy and those things are going to influence us. So for example, we don't eat horse in the U.S. because it is not um, ethical or approved by the government to do that, to use horse for that purpose. Okay. Another one would be is that maybe when you go to work or you prepare a meal at home for your kids, it's difficult for you to sit down and have the meal that you would like to have because you're chasing around other people, or if you brought in a new dish and at the lunch table your coworkers were razzing you about the new food that you brought in, they're like, oh, look at Gary over here trying to get healthy, then that can be an influencer on what it is that you're going to do. Then on top of that, family. Um, Our family is going to influence us not just through genetics, but through the behaviors that they teach us and the behaviors that we have as a whole. Whether you're going to go out and walk as a family after Thanksgiving dinner, or you're going to sit down and watch eight hours of football. That can be a family-based thing. But individually, you have your own say and your own control over what it is that you're going to do in your life. And so the socio-ecological model recognizes that you as an individual have your say, but you are influenced by all those people that are around you. And not just the people that are around you, but the environment that's around you. Again, if you don't have a microwave at work, then you're only going to bring in cold sandwiches or you're going to order out to get something warm. So those things can influence what you're going to do. Now, in terms of the brother of Jared and what we can learn from him, I actually learned this from one of my mission companions, um, is that with the brother of Jared, there are three ways that the Lord taught him and took care of and answered his questions. So for those of you that don't remember, the brother of Jared was told by the Lord that they needed to leave during the Tower of Babel time where they were going to be building these ships. And with those ships, they were going to travel through the ocean to the Americas. But they built these ships in such a way where there was no light in them, there was no way to get oxygen in, and there was no way to steer. So the brother of Jared prays to the Lord. He says, okay, so I can't steer. What am I going to do? How do I take care of this? The Lord says, don't worry about it. I got you. And then the second question was, um, all right, so we can't breathe in here. There's limited air. So how are we going to handle that? 
he said, all right, so go ahead and uh, cut a hole in the top and cut a hole in the bottom that where you can open it and close it. And that way you can let air in and let air out whenever you need to. And the brother of Jairus said, perfect, I can do that. And then the last one was, now there's no light in this ship. And we don't want to be traveling in the darkness for however many months without any idea of where we're going. So how can we get light in here? And the Lord came back to the brother of Jared and said, what do you want me to do about it? And there are times in our lives where the Lord is going to tell us, don't worry about it, I'll take care of this. And then he'll say, do this, and you can do that. And then there's other times where he says, what do you want me to do about this? And whenever we're setting our New Year's resolutions, we're past the point a lot of times where the Lord is just going to say, do this, do this, do this, do this. Um, We have to make educated decisions on our own behalf. The Lord wants us to be beneficial servants. And it it comes back to the story of the servant with the, the talent. So there's the five talents, the two talents, and the one talents that this this Lord gives his servants. And he says, take care of these, I'll be back. And in the time while that where that Lord of the area is gone, the one who is given five talents multiplies those and gets five more. So he ends up with a total of 10. And then you have the one that has two, and he multiplies those two, and now he has four. And then you have the, have, have the person that has one talent and they bury their talent because they're scared and they don't want to lose it. And so whenever the Lord comes back, he has one talent. So now we have the people that have multiplied their talents, five to 10, two to four, and then the person that has just saved the talents that they've had and they just have the one. So the Lord wants us to be able to multiply the gifts that we have been given, skills that we have and the talents that we have He wants us to be able to use those to help with our own individual growth. So speaking of growth, there's a book by Dr. Carol Dweck. Uh, She's a professor from Stanford University, and the book is Mindset. In this, she talks about the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset. And the idea is that certain people think that they're dumb because they don't know how to do something. And then other people Don't think that they're dumb. They just think that they haven't learned how to do it yet. Now, I feel like I was a perfect example of the fixed mindset in my math class in high school. And I think most people can relate to a certain subject in school that that didn't come easy to them. And so they're just like, well, I mean, I'm good at English. I'm good at this, but I'm not good at that. So I just, I'm not good at math. I just don't do math. And when that happens, we stun our own growth. And the reason that I bring this up is because in our lives and in our health journey, a lot of times we'll say, well, I just can't be healthy because I just love unhealthy foods a little too much. You know, I can be physically active, but I just don't like eating healthy food because it all tastes like bark to me because in their mind, they only think of Kashi cereal. But with the growth mindset, it is the idea that you have lived a full life. You have developed skills. You have learned things. You have created the capacity to continue to grow. And within the church, we believe that we can continue to learn and to overcome. We believe that Christ came and suffered the atonement for us so that we could overcome our weaknesses and our shortcomings. And so it's important for us to remember that 
we should have that growth mindset. Whenever I'm working with someone that's trying to set new goals, I always make sure that they understand that they have had success in the past. And we, we review the things and we ask, what is it that you've done in the past that worked? And what did you do in the past that did not work? Because learning from those past mistakes is important in helping you to make new choices and decisions that are going to be sustainable and provide the success that you need. In the past, if the problem was that you set those goals that were unrealistic, or if the problem was that you set goals that you knew that you didn't want to keep, but you thought someone else might want you to choose, or you know that you're the person that can set goals and it only lasts for about two weeks and then you get tired of it. From all of those, you can learn things and say that my next set of goals, I'm going to make sure that I set these goals and I'm going to revisit it every week so that each week I'm recommitted to what it is and I don't get tired of it and forget what I'm doing. Learning how you have had success and failure in the past is part of the growth mindset and helping you to achieve the future that you would like to have in terms of health. And God doesn't want to have to tell people what to do all the time. The scriptures talks about how he does not want a slothful servant. So this New Year's, there's a couple of different takeaways that you can have from this podcast. Stop measuring the wrong wall. Now, what I mean by that, for an example, my wife and I recently bought our first place and we've been doing a lot of projects here. And if I wanted to put a built-in shelving unit in our living room, then measuring the bedroom wall under the window doesn't help me. I know this is a ridiculous example, but to many people, they're measuring the bedroom walls and then they get mad that the shelving unit does not fit in the living room. So they have the wrong outcomes that they're looking for. They, they think that they need to have this one thing happen in order for their goals to be considered a success. I'm going to ask you to recognize and divorce the ideas that thin is healthy because thin does not equal healthy and healthy does not equal thin. You can be exercising all the time. You can have healthy eating habits and you might not be as thin as you would like to be. Does that mean that you are unhealthy? Not necessarily. Does it mean that you should give up on what you're doing because it's not helping you to be healthy? No. When I talk to my students about this, I give them the example of if you quit going to the gym because you're not losing weight, that's like quitting your job because you don't have enough money, but you don't have another job lined up. You're just shooting yourself in the foot and preventing you from having those healthy behaviors. So this is going to lead me to my next point is that you have to change your mindset. So stop saying that you can't, that you don't, that you won't, that it's always been this way. Instead, show yourself a little bit more appreciation. I mean, after all, your body does keep you going and sometimes in spite of what you've done to it this far. So recognizing that your mindset may be the biggest barrier to your success in terms of setting these New Year's resolutions that are going to help you to have healthy changes. And then the last point that I want to leave you with is setting realistic and sustainable goals. Don't say that by February, you're going to run a marathon if you've never run anything before. Don't say that by June, you're going to have lost 250 pounds. If that is not something that is realistic for you, then it's going to lead you to make poor decisions in the future because you're trying to get that goal. 
Whereas if you can set realistic goals where you're focusing on the behaviors rather than the outcomes, you're going to be in a better situation. So for example, don't set goals about getting a certain number on the scale. Instead, set goals about how many times a week you're going to go to the gym or how many times a week you're going to try a new recipe or a new vegetable or new fruits and vegetables that you could include into new recipes. But it's something that you are doing, not something that is a result of something you've done. Now, if you haven't already, I'm going to ask you to go back and listen to podcast episode number four, where I I talk about the brazen serpent diet. And I don't want to give it all away, but sometimes healthy ain't sexy. And what I mean by that is it's not the big flashy thing that you want it to to be, but instead it's the thing that is going to be sustainable and realistic. And I relate it to the story of Moses and the brazen serpent, but go check it out. I don't want to tell you all about it. I just want to say welcome to the new year. And I hope you have a wonderful New Year's resolution chosen. And if you haven't yet, then sit down and think about what you want this year to look like and be wise with your choices. Be realistic with your goals and make sure that it is something that you can maintain and keep up rather than being burnt out by February. Now, if you'd like a little bit of help in setting New Year's resolutions and like the idea of tying it to gospel principles, my new book, The Creation Code, is available in Amazon. It's a workbook where you can go through and outline what it is that you do want and what it is that you don't want. And going through each day of the creation of the world and tying that to the the goals and the creations that you would like to have in your life. Again, I'll have that link in the show notes, but I look forward to hearing from you guys on Facebook and on Instagram, and uh, we'll talk soon. This has been Zach Cordell the Latter-day Saint nutritionist. Happy to have you this new year and keep celebrating. You